Go in your Bible to 1 John, 1 John chapter number 2. And we'll begin in verse number 14. As we are progressing right along here in this book, let's read and jump right on in. Verse 14. I've written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in this world, and these are the three divisions here of its made, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world pass away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Love that. But he that does the will of God abides forever. Lord, I am praying and believing, God, that you're going to, as you already have, prepared every heart to hear and to receive and I'm praying, God, it will be a help and a blessing. And God, if there's anyone here this morning that's never said yes to you as Savior, we're believing, Lord Jesus, that that will happen into their life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Forgive me as I jump ahead, but in 1 John chapter 5, it says these words. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Who's seen the Fiber One commercial on TV where the guy is saying, Fiber makes me sad. <laughs> and his wife, she's eating a Fiber One candy bar and he don't know it's a Fiber One and he reaches over and grabs it and, and starts eating it and going, mmm. She said, I hope you enjoy that. I am. See, I don't believe that God's commandments have to be grievous. I don't believe it's got to be to where God's commandments make me sad. Giving makes me sad. Going to church makes me sad. What we read in your hearing, but he that does the will of God, but he that is doing the will of God. King James Version, but he that doeth the will of God. It's not he that knows the will of God. And most of my Christian experience, that's what I've heard people major on that you've got to know the will of God. And I really believe in the New Testament, the bulk of this is about doing the will of God. But he that does the will of God abides forever. And God is saying, let me show you how this thing works. 
This world will try to push everything at you and on you and say, this is how you ought to live your life. It's like King Saul trying to push his armor onto David. How many remembers the story? Man, that wasn't really part of the message here, but maybe I need to go into 1 Samuel chapter 17. How many remembers the story? How many wouldn't raise your hand no matter what I said? <laughs> Goliath coming out for 40 days in a row, defaming God, cursing the people of God, and David riding up there and saying as he's going to visit his brothers, and here's what's going on, and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that's screaming out against God? And that in itself was a clue because David's saying that man does not have a covenant agreement with God, but we as Israelis, we do. And you should not be afraid of that guy. And he's willing to go out. King Saul hears about this. They bring the teenage boy. How many teenage boys here? How many... How many you're a teenage boy, but you're acting like a little teenage wimp, and you won't even raise your hand. <laughs> I mean, David was willing to stand against Goliath, nine foot, six inches tall, and you, as a teenage boy, can't do this number. <laughs> and Saul says... Come in before me, and I will give you my armor, and then you can go out and fight Goliath. Let me tell you, if David would have trusted in King Saul's armor, nobody would have ever heard about David from that day till now because David would have been killed. David did not trust in what the world was trying to push at him, he knew what God had done in his life, and it certainly was not what the world was doing. It wasn't the lust of the flesh. It wasn't the lust of the eyes, nor was it the pride of life. It was what God had instilled in him, and he knew he could destroy Goliath. Let me tell you, there's a present-day Goliath that would like to take you out. And he works through the three things that we've said, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. David did not listen to man's wisdom, and man's wisdom said, put on Saul's armor. Man's wisdom told me 24 years ago, don't go to Orchardville. And I could not figure out what God wanted me to do, but I knew God wanted me here. And thank God I didn't listen to what man's wisdom was. I went ahead and felt what God wanted me to do, and that's what I did. Now, let me tell you something. There are churches, there are churches that are always doing something new, and I hear this on a at least once every two-week basis. Oh, church, or don't you know that that church over there is doing that, and Orchardville Church needs to get on board with what that church over there is doing. They're doing a ministry that we need to get involved with. Let me tell you what may be happening here. They may be doing that, but not doing 30 other ministries that this church is currently doing. <laughs> Let 
Just because somebody else is doing something new, that does not mean that it's new and improved. People want to jump on anything and everything that's new. I'm not geared that way. What did David say to Saul when Saul tried to push his armor onto David? I have not. Who said that? Way to go, Gary. Good night. People, people. Read two chapters every day. I have not proved this armor. Therefore, I am not going to put that armor on. I am a guy that sticks with what I know works. I use right guard. <laughs> I've tried other stuff, and after using a couple days, I've got to walk around like this because I'm broken out. I have sensitive skin. I use dial soap because anything else breaks me out. I have sensitive skin. Uh, what did I say? That's right. Thank you. Not dial. Dial breaks me out. The soap that floats. Ivory. Although it don't float with me because I don't take baths, I take showers. I agree with Winston Churchill. Why sit in your own filth? <laughs> or he may have been the guy that said, why stand when you can sit? I don't remember. It's, it's, one, of the, it's one of the two. <clears throat> I use eternity for men. That's why I smell so great. And if I'm going to eat soup out of a can, it's not going to be anything other than Campbell's soup. That's right. If I'm going to use a commentary, it's going to be Warren Worsby's commentary. I stick with what I know that works. Let me give you an update, and most of you already know this. In 2011, due to the ministries of Orchardville Church, 128 people came to faith in Jesus Christ. Give God a hand for that. Amen. And in 2012, as of this day, and this day, January 29th, is not over yet, 19 people have come to Jesus this year. The world passes away and the lusts thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Thank God for that. I have in the past preached a number of revivals, and almost you could, you could write it down verbatim. This is what a deacon is going to stand up and pray in that revival. And it was always with something like this. Oh, Lord. Oh, yeah, we got this young preacher in here. That's a long time ago when I preached in revivals. We got this young preacher in here, but we all know that revival's not worked up. It's prayed down. He's half right. And about three-quarters lazy. 
Because the subliminal message in that is, I'm not going to do nothing, God. You got to do it all. And let me tell you, whether it's revival, whether it is church growth, whatever it is in the things of God, it is both, hear me, it is both worked up and prayed down. Oh, no, preacher, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear that, that I have no responsibility whatsoever. All I've got to do is pray, and then God makes it all happen. Not so. Verse 17, for he that does the will of God, not just knows the will of God. It's like the guy years ago by the name of Al. He got saved, born again. He was on fire for God. He, his church got into a revival. He went to work. He's got a flyer. He asked his foreman if he can put the flyer up. And the foreman said, well, yeah, I, I don't care. Go ahead and put the flyer up. Before, before the day was over, the plant manager came by, asked about the flyer, and he said, hey, we're in revival. We, we, you need to show up for revival. Uh, I don't know. And the guy, Al, says, I'll tell you what, I'll pick you up at 6.30. Revival starts at 7. I'll pick you up at 6.30. Oh, no, I don't know if I will go or not. I'll pick you up at 6.30. Drives by his house. The man, his wife, his two children, they're all ready to go. They get in Al's car, him and his wife, and the two kids, and they go to revival. Revival starts at 7 o'clock, and the pastor asks Al, this guy that just got saved, he's on fire for God, ask Al to pray the prayer. And Al begins praying the prayer. Oh, God, you know how excited I am about being born again. I just got saved two weeks ago. And, Lord, our church is in revival. He's praying this like God really didn't know that their church is in revival. Our church is in revival. And I, I took a flyer, and I went to work, and I asked a foreman if I could put the flyer up. And he said, well, I guess. And that kind of surprised me, Lord, but in a way it didn't surprise me. But it did surprise me in a way. But then again, it didn't because I had faith, believing that he'd let me put that up. And then the plant manager came by, and Lord, he wanted to know what that was. And I told him about it. And I said, I'd pick him up at 630. And he said no, and he said yes, and then he didn't know. And, and Lord, I went by his house and I picked him up and, and lo and behold Lord he showed up and right here he is Lord he's out there in the congregation and dear God you're going to have to save that plant manager he's got family problems and he needs Jesus and he's sitting right out there you need to save that man before the service was over guess what happened the plant manager got saved you know what Al did Al worked it up and prayed it down both God, deliver me from lazy Christianity. Oh, that's just the preacher's job. That's the preacher's job to win somebody to Jesus. You find me that in the Bible. You cannot do it. It is all of our jobs to try to win people to Jesus Christ. Well, I'll get saved, preacher, when my time comes. Your time's here right now. I'll get saved, preacher, when God turns the light on. You're the one that flips the switch. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord God shall be saved. That's what the Bible says. 
Preacher told me one time, yeah, preacher, I just don't believe in, in mushroom growth. I believe in steady growth. And I said, I believe in steady mushroom growth. reason some churches are not seeing salvation is because some churches have not applied the law of sowing and reaping. No sowing, no reaping. Do it again. No sowing, no reaping. You sow a little corn, you get a lot of corn. Furthermore, you reap later than you sow. Farmers, isn't that true? That's very true. Let me illustrate this. 20, probably 22, 23 years ago, a guy I worked with had got saved, on fire for God. He, had to, he needed to come to my house for something after work was over, and he followed me over, and it was always the same deal. I had, you know, the years that I worked over there at Mount Vernon at Dowser Electric, I'd have people come over and, uh, you know, either wanting to play me basketball or that's back in the day. Nobody ever asked me that now. It's, I want to throw darts, something less strenuous. And I always hear the same thing. Man! You got gravel on your roads. I know it. We're here in Wayne County. And here's what uh, Joe Baker was this guy's name. And he got to talking. And his church had asked him to speak and give his testimony. And he didn't have a suit coat or a sport coat. I mean, he was about the same size. Built like, you know, rugged, well, that's enough. And, uh, and I had two sport coats to my name. I said, stay right here. I went in and I got a sport coat. I said, try this on, Joe. He tried it on. Hey, this is nice. I said, it's yours. Oh, no, I can't take your coat. It's yours. And he thanked me and thanked me. I was on the phone to him here a while back, and that's been over, well over 20 years ago. And he's still thanking me. And I know he don't have that coat now, but he's still thanking me for that sport coat. Listen, you reap more than you sow. You reap later than you sow. Dr. Moult and Jessica have bought me, I don't know how many sport coats. One Wednesday night, I got to church. hadn't even thought about it. I get into church, and I thought, you know, this jacket or this uh, um, coat that I've got on. Yeah. I thought, yeah, that family bought that for me. The shirt that I had on, that same family had bought for me. The boots I had on, that same family had bought. The jeans that I had on, that family had bought for me. Randy and Valerie Vincent had bought everything I had on except my socks and my underwear. <laughs> and I'm thinking, Lord, I truly believe that that all goes back over 20 years ago 
when I had two sport coats to my name, but I was willing to give one of them away. Church, whatever we do, and whatever we are reaping right now for the kingdom of God, it has been because you as a, as, a, as a congregation have been faithful to God and the work of God 10 years ago and 15 years ago or five years ago or three years ago or two years ago. It's because of your faithfulness that now we are being able to reap and have 128 people to come to Jesus. And some people yawn about that, but I get real excited about 128 people. The B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Number one, you must be born again. Bill Cotton was my English teacher, and I remember almost that much from his class. (laughs) But I do remember... The word must. It's an imperative necessity. Must. You can't get around it, he said. You can't get over it. You can't get under it. You can't go around it. Must. And then a few years later, I read in the Bible where it says, you must be born again. It's an imperative necessity. You've got to have air to breathe. You've got to have food to eat to be able to live and to be able to get to heaven. You must be born again. As a believer, are you ready for the next one? You must be born again. As a believer, you must be water baptized. Oh, preacher, mess up my hair. You heathen you. Jesus was water baptized, and our example, we are to be water baptized too. Ladies, I don't want to hear about hair. I don't want to hear about makeup. I don't want to hear about anything, any such nonsense. We are to be water baptized. Number three, we're to be faithful in church. Number four, read your Bible every day. And I know I get to say, read read two chapters a day. If you can't do that, read one, for heaven's sake. Get in the Bible. Praying to the Father every day. Fiber makes me sad. Ties every time that we don't have plates because we don't want people to be embarrassed when it tinkles in the no tinkle. I shouldn't have said that. When it's time to tithe, be willing to tithe. And not what tithing makes me sad. And reach, teach, and serve. I've never heard anybody in all my born days say, you know, I wound up as a skid row bum because I went to church real faithful. That never happened. I wound up as a skid row bum because I paid tithe to God. No way. I wound up as a skid row bum because I was faithful in my church going, no way. 
Most people never, ever read the fine print of sin because most of those people could say, I wound up as a skid row bum because sin deceived me. Most of them could say that. Preacher, I'm having such a great time in my sin. Well, you know what? The Bible doesn't say sin, when it begins, brings forth death. It doesn't say that. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death, when it is finished. <clears throat> sin didn't tell Samson that his strength would be gone or that his eyes would be gouged out or he'd spend his life grinding in the grinding mill. No. You can take a skunk and put that skunk in a pretty box and it still stinks. You can take a bottle of strychnine and put it in a pretty box and it's still poison. And no matter what kind of packaging sin comes in, it still stinks and it's still a poison. A few more things. Leonardo da Vinci painted the Last Supper. Took him a full 12 years to get through. That's like Brahms' lullaby. You remember that song? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Took him seven years to write that song. He kept falling asleep. <laughs> See? Leonardo da Vinci found who he thought looked like would be a representation of Jesus, painted, who looked like John, painted them, looked like Thomas, painted them. Never could find the guys that he thought looked like Judas. And he just kind of lost the, the zeal that he had for the painting and he just took it off to the side and started doing something else. Twelve years later, he thought, I've got to finish that painting. He would walk the streets and try to find somebody that he thought looked like Judas. Couldn't find anybody. He knew the warden of the prison. He thought, you know, there's some hard-looking guys, I bet, there. And he went and talked to the warden of the prison. And the warden, of course, of Leonardo da Vinci was world famous, and he was honored to have him in his prison. And he told him what he was doing. He was painting this. He needed a guy that looked like Judas. And the warden says, he's here. I know who you need. And they took him, Leonardo, the guards took him, not just to a regular prison cell, but down, down, down they went into an inner cell with that one guy there by himself. Through the prison bars, Leonardo da Vinci said, I don't want to offend you, but I'm painting a painting, and I need somebody to be Judas. And I, again, I don't want to offend you in that, but would you be willing to, to be Judas? And the man rose up from the cot where he was at and walked up to the cell, to the bars, and said, Mr. Da Vinci, 12 years ago, you asked me to be Jesus. If you want me to be Judas, 
I'll be Judas as well. Sin had got a hold of that man. And in 12 years' time, had changed him physically to where Da Vinci didn't know it was the same guy. Here's the thing, church. We can either go man's way or we can go God's way. And God says right here, this is the instructions that I'm giving. Now, I know that what will happen, you might even hear it this week, but there will be somebody in the news media, somebody in the drive-by media that will say, all oh, those hicks that believe in the Bible. I'm going to believe this before I'm going to believe anybody else. And you can say that's a, it makes me a hick or whatever. I'll be proud to be a hick. Hick from the sticks. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Frank Sinatra, when he passed away, his daughter Nancy put a pack of Pall Mall cigarettes and a bottle of whiskey in his casket. And when I read that years ago, I thought, that's a mighty poor reward for living for the devil. A pack of cigarettes and a bottle of whiskey. 1 John chapter 2, verse 17, And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Get to know what this book says. This book will do for you what a phone booth did for Clark Kent. It'll turn you into Superman. By your heads, please. Father, we're thankful, God, for another time to be able to declare your word. And, Lord, I know that this was not a full-on, full-bore, locomotion-type uh, message. But, dear God, this is something that's so needful for us to realize the importance of your word. And either we go your way or we'll go man's way. And if we go man's way, we will fail. If David went man's way, he would have failed. God, he went your way, and what a success he became. Touch and penetrate the heart of every person that's here. And God, help every person know that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. I want you to remain with your heads bowed just for a moment. The Bible talks about entering into a closet. This is about the only way that... You can do that in a group of room full of people. Just, just bow your head and close your eyes. <clears throat> and I usually don't do an altar service this way. But this morning, I really felt like that I was supposed to. Between you and God and myself, if there is someone here this morning, and we're, we're going to do it totally different. You know that Jesus Christ died for you. You know that Jesus Christ loves you. You know that there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus. This morning, I'm not going to have you in doing this to come forward. We're just going to do it different. No place in the Bible that tells us that we've got to come forward. 
But it does say that we have got to be willing to confess Jesus before mankind. If you're here this morning and you know that if someone asks you, hey, how can I get to heaven? That there would be a twinge in your heart and you would think, you know, I'm not even ready myself and I want to be. God forbid, but if you would die, my mother was the picture of health and in a moment she was gone. She was gone. If you're here this morning and you really are not certain that if you would meet God, you would go to heaven. You're really not certain of that, but you would like to be certain of that. I want you to raise your hand right where you're sitting. I want you to just raise your hand. Let me see that. Anybody in this place, you want to be certain. Thank you. You want to be certain. Anyone else? There's been a hand. Anyone else in the whole building? Preacher, I'd really like to know really like to know that I'm certain that I'm saying yes to Jesus. That person that raised their hand, if they would, I'm going to ask them to stand. Thank you. Thank you. Now, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. These ones that are standing, and there are four standing right here today, I'm going to pray. There's five. Anybody else? I don't want to leave you out. Come on, you can walk out of here knowing today that I've asked Jesus to be my Savior, and He has received me. These five that have stood, there's six. I'm going to pray. And I want you to pray what I pray. I want you to pray it loud enough for yourself to hear it. And God's going to do the big part. We're going to confess him. We're about ready to do this. Is anybody else? Don't, don't, I, I don't know of a better time than right now. Anybody else? If God's Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart and you know that you should stand. Okay. These ones that are standing, I want you to pray this with me as I pray. Repeat it after me. Or you're going to do what just the Bible says. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Pray after me. Dear God in heaven, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've broken your law. And I am sorry. I receive you, Lord, as my Savior. I'm calling out unto you, and you are hearing and receiving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, those that, that have stood, I want you to remain standing. And now I want everybody else to stand. I want you to see who these are and give them a round of applause. Thank God. Thank you.
God. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. And now remain standing. Anybody and everybody, if there's any kind of a prayer need that you have, we want you to bring it to him. And yes, as I've already said, that uh, there's nothing in the Bible that says we've got to come forward, but I'm going to tell you something. There is in the Bible about people willing to make an altar to God and say, this is where I met you. This is the altar that I've had in my life. Abraham made seven altars in his life. Throughout the Bible, we see people that made an altar. Act as though this right here, these steps, is an altar to God if you've got something in your life that you need to bring to Him as they sing. Thank God. Thank God. There are arms that we
thankful as a pastor every time I see people come to the altar man that does my heart really good because I've been in churches before to where the altars are never used they don't ever come forward at all for nothing what that's and that's too bad that's too bad uh, we're glad for people to uh, be willing to step out in faith we have a doing faith um, God when he was there that day with Lazarus and Lazarus was in the tomb what was Jesus said roll away the stone the thing that the human beings could do God was going to require them to do it we have the doing part the man with the withered hand Jesus said stretch forth your hand there's always something the part that we can do we need to do and then God does the supernatural the big part uh, once again, the five that came forward for Jesus today as their Savior, praise God to them and give them a big hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677. I saw Jesus hanging on that.